today we're going to look at uh, Matthew, the first chapter, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to talk about the genealogy of Christ. The genealogy of Christ. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. And I, there may be some words that we come across that I am, uh, I am not a theologian, so I may not be able to uh, pronounce correctly. But will you, will you give me some grace today if I don't say it exactly the way that you've, been, that you've heard it, okay? Uh, this is what my Bible says. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac Jacob, and to Jacob Judah and his brothers. And the Judah were born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron, Ram. And to Ram was born Amenadab, and to Amenadab, Nashalon, Han. And to Nahishan, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. And to Boaz was born, Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. And to Obed, Jesse. And to Jesse was born David, the king. And to David was born Solomon. To her who had been the wife of Uriah. And to Solomon was born Rehoboam. And to Rehoboam, Abijah. And to Abijah, Asa. And to Asa was born Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, Joram, and to Joram, Uzziah, and to Uzziah was born Jotham, and to Jotham, Ahaz, and Ahaz, Hezekiah, and to Hezekiah was born Manasseh, and to Manasseh, Amnon, and to Amnon, Josiah, and to Josiah was born Jeconiah, and to his, and, and his brethren, at the time of the deportion de to Babylon. And after the deportion to Babylon, to Jeconiah was born Shilatiel, and to Shilatiel Zerubbabel, and to Zerubbabel was born Abahud, and Abahud Eachim, and to Eachim Azor, and Azor was born Zadok, and to Zadok Achim, Achim Eliud, and to Eliud was born Eleazar, and to Eleazar Matham, and to Matham Jacob, and to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary by whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Maybe see in the house of God. Now, the question that I, that I asked when I, was when I was reading this, when I was reading Matthew, the question I asked myself was, why is that here? Why is the genealogy of Christ here? Why, why does Matthew, known as Levi, uh, one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the apostles, if you will. Why does he write this letter? And who is he writing to? So he's, he's writing to Christian Jews. But why does he write the letter? And why, more, more, more importantly for this, this moment, why does he put this in, in this letter? So I did a little research on genealogies and why people prepared, prepared genealogies or preserved genealogies. A couple things came out. One, uh, it was, it was um, normal for people to prepare a genealogy when they had um, uh, prominent, uh, important ancestors uh, in, the, in, the, in their background. And that, that would make sense for Jesus Christ. You think Jesus Christ, the son of God, he was born, you would have some important, uh, prominent people in, in, in his background, and certainly, certainly they did. They started with Abraham. Additionally, the Levites 
had to demonstrate through their ancestry that they were Levites or they were not able to participate in, in Levitical rites or Levitical benefits that, that they had. Third, uh, one of the reasons they, they would preserve their, their genealogy is so they could prove their purity, that they were Israeli, that they were, they, they were descendants of, of Israel, um, and they, they weren't mixed with other, uh, mixed with Gentiles. And then also it provided a connection between generations. And then finally, they viewed um, their genealogy as a way, as you could look back through their gene genealogy, they could see that they prepared, that it, it showed the favor of God. Now, as Matthew's writing this, he's writing this, I believe, you know, partly because there were a lot of names here that the, the Jews that he was writing to, when they heard those names, they would be familiar with those names. And, they, and these names, in fact, had rich nuances within the Israeli culture, within, within the Jew, Jewish culture. And these were the names that had guided their people through history. But Matthew was making the point here about Jesus, I do believe, that Jesus was not something that was foreign to their heritage, but in fact, Jesus was the pinnacle of their heritage. Now, I, I got to be honest with you, though, when I was, I'm going through this, I, I find some very, very disturbing information. Very disturbing information. When I think about Jesus, the, the, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Immaculate Conception, I think about his ancestry and what, what I would find in, 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 his, in his background, I would expect it to be pristine. I would expect it to be holy. I would expect that all the people that, that you look at in the name of Jesus Christ, they were, they were priests, you know, they were prophets, they were, they were the good kings, if you will. But I found some very, very, very disturbing information as I looked in the background. I want to share with you what the disturbing information that I found, and I I want to share with you what I think, what I, what I believe that it means is I'm led by the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, I found this is disturbing. In verse 2, why does, G, why, does, why does Matthew begin Christ's genealogy with Abraham instead of Adam? Why does he do that? We, we, we don't see, Luke doesn't do that. When we go and we begin to read the, uh, of Luke, we see Luke starts at Adam. Why, 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 why does Matthew, who, 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 is, who is writing to Jews, why doesn't he begin his, uh, his, 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 his foundation with Adam? Why does, why does he begin with Abraham? Secondly, how, how is it possible that Judah, look at verse 3, Judah is included as the son of Israel. He's, 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 he's included in Christ's genealogy. If you know anything about Judah in the name of Jesus Christ, you know that he was a liar and a fornicator. Judah was the one who, 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 in essence, tried to rob his daughter-in-law of a seed in the name of Jesus Christ. Tamar, remember Tamar? Okay, that, that, so he tried to rob his, his daughter-in-law of a seed, and she tricked him. He ended up sleeping with his daughter-in-law and birthing Perez, who's also in, 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 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. How does Judah and Tamar get in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? I'm telling y'all, this very, very, very disturbing. That's a, that's a most inappropriate relationship. And it's certainly the outcome of it, some might even call a bastard child, is a most appropriate for that to be in the history of Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Pastor Tony Collins. I'm the senior pastor of the House of Worship in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And I want to tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, about eight or nine years ago, actually, um, we helped plant a church uh, in Mexico in the Playa del Carmen area. And while we were down there, we were confronted, if you will, by the, um, the truth, the reality uh, of homeless children. Just, just a few 
points of fact, if you will, in regards to uh, street children, to homeless children um, in this area. First of all, uh, these children are at a higher risk of danger uh, than, than anyone else. They go through uh, severe hunger, they go through depression, and in many cases, um, most cases I would say, that the food that they have is waste food, which is a bad source of nutrition, which leads to malnutrition, and, and sometimes it can even lead to death. These are children that are on the street that are dealing with all the issues that are on the street. They're dealing with criminals, they're dealing with violence, they're dealing with, uh, with, with drugs. And so our, our desire, our call, if you will, uh, for this community is uh, to build a home for the homeless, to build a home for, for homeless children. And, and there, is, there is no home. There is no home for homeless children um, in, in, in this area. And so really what we need now is we need the resources. We need the funds to be able to do that. And we're estimating that um, it's going to cost about $250,000 to buy the property and to build um, this, this facility. And so if, if you won't give, who's going to give? If you won't help us, who's going to help us? Whatever it is that you give, that God tells you to give, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by his power and his authority, that a hundred times what you give will come back to you. So thank you in advance for your gift. We praise God for you, and we praise God for the vision. We praise God for the mission that he's given us to be able to touch the lives in Mexico of the lives of homeless children. Uh, bless you. Praise God for you, and we give him all the glory in advance. Amen. Verse 3. How did a harlot, Rahab, a harlot, a woman of ill repute, Someone who made a living from doing the things that God says are abominable. How does she end up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? And not just in the genealogy, but if you go to Hebrews 11, you'll find her in the faith hall of fame. Very, 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 very disturbing, very disturbing, very disturbing. You know, Joshua 2 and 1, talking about Rahab says, so they went and came to the house of a harlot. This is, a, this is at Jericho, whose name was Rahab. So we know, we have Bible documentation that, harlot, that, that Rahab was a harlot. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Let's go look at, at, at Ruth. Ruth is in verse 5, and we know that Ruth was a Moabite. And if you know anything about a Moab and being a Moabite, we know that God cursed the, Moab, the, the, the tribe of Moab, go and, go and look at Deuteronomy 23 and 3. It says, no Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord, none of their descendants, even to the 10th generation, shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord. Very disturbing news. Because if you look at this, you understand that David is within the 10th generation of the Moabite. It seems like God is contradicting himself. I'm telling you, this is very disturbing, very disturbing information we have here. Hmm? We see that, that she was cursed, but then we go to Ruth 1, 3 through 4. It says, and Imelech. Naomi's husband died, and, and she was left, and her two sons, and they took uh, took wives of the women of Moab. There it is. The name of one was or Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. So we have documented evidence 
that we got Jewish people marrying Moabites and somehow they end up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then there's David, who, if you know anything about David, who was a murderer and an adulterer and a schemer and a manipulator. He was a horrible father because he did not put down Absalom's rebellion and he allowed his, his son Amnon to, in essence, rape Tamar and did nothing about it. Take a look at 2 Samuel 11, 3 through 4. So David sent and inquired about the woman and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite, who was one of your great men, who was the son of one of your counselors, David sent messengers, messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. That word took is a, is a forceful word. It's not like she really had a, 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 a response to it. She really didn't, couldn't say no to it. He took her. I'm telling you, y'all, this is very, I, I, I don't know about this, this genealogy of Christ. And what about Solomon, that David's son, Solomon, who was not necessarily so much a chip off the old block, who Solomon was the biggest womanizer in, in human history. Solomon had a thousand women. Really, man? A thousand women? Look at, look at Deuteronomy 17, 17, it says, this is, this, is the, this is the law that God lays down about the king, and it says, he shall not multiply wives for himself, or else, have, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold to himself. And then look at uh, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 3. It says, now King Solomon loved many, foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh. It says a Moabite, cursed, an Ammonite, cursed, an Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. Not much less marry. You must not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away from, the, from after their gods. Solomon held fast to, to these in love. In other words, Solomon ignored the word of God, and he held fast to the women in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. And in case you're trying to figure out what a concubine is relative to a wife, a concubine is a lover. Not a wife. Not someone that you said, I want her to be my wife. It's just one just kind of hanging around. Solomon is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The other issue here that's a, that's a problem is rarely do you, you see biblically in genealogies do you find women that are included in the genealogy. And here you have four. You have Tamar, you have uh, Rahab, you have Ruth and Bathsheba, and all of them are women that are on the edge at best and over the boat at worst. And the craziest part about it, I think, and all of that is also there are Gentiles. Wait a minute. 
Jesus' genealogy from a Jewish perspective is impure. It is not all Jews. There are Gentiles in it, for Rahab was a Gentile and Ruth were a Gentile, and they were unwanted. They didn't fit in anywhere, and they were most certainly not accepted. Very disturbing, very disturbing. Does anybody else find that disturbing or is it just me? I just find it very disturbing. Now, after I've gotten over my being disturbed, I had to ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? What is God trying to say? What's the message that God is saying when even Jesus Christ himself, look at his genealogy, it's really all out of whack. And if any of us, and we probably do, have this type of genealogy in our background, we would not want to post it as chapter one in any book that anybody would write about us. So this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you today. I asked him, Holy Spirit, why does he start with Adam? Why, why doesn't he start with Adam? Why does he start with Abraham? The Holy Spirit says that we don't begin with God until we choose faith. Abraham is the father of faith. The reason that Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, begins with this, and he begins with Abraham, is because the Holy Spirit wants you and I to know we don't even begin to have any significance for the kingdom of God until we begin with faith. Yes, 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 God is aware of you, God is concerned about you, no question about that. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we don't, we don't begin to have any significance in the kingdom of God. We don't begin to do anything that really is important to God until we begin with faith. And this place of faith, and not just faith, but trusting God, faith is just simply believing that something that is, is real, right? So I can say that I, that I have faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, enough faith to get me to go to heaven, but I don't trust God with my situation today, amen? And we look at these people, these are not people that only have faith in God, these were people who trusted God. They had developed an understanding of the character of God, of, of who he is, to the point their relationship was so strong that they could say, I know how God's going to respond in this situation. And if he doesn't respond the way that I think he's going to respond, I still know that's the best thing for me. Oh, can I get an amen today in the name of Jesus Christ? They had moved from just faith into a place of trust, and that's where Rahab was. Rahab, when she heard about what had happened in Egypt, and she saw these, the, the, the rumors about what had happened in Egypt, the rumors about the hand of God and the plagues that God had, how he had destroyed Egypt, the rumor about how God had delivered his people. They were slaves. They were poor. They had nothing. How he devastated the, the, the biggest, the baddest nation on the planet at the time and took all of the wealth and gave it to his people and brought them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea. Y'all, I have been to the Red Sea, and I'm trying to tell you something. God parted that, and they walked over on dry land up. That is a significant thing that the whole world heard about. And Rahab, even though she was a harlot, even she had grown up worshiping other gods, even though she had grown up going her own way and doing her own thing, when she heard the rumor about the power of God, she made a choice to trust in him in spite of all the things around her that said there's no way that could ever happen, she, she chose to trust in him 
versus what our eyes saw, what our ears heard, and what our flesh felt. It's the same thing with David. David had been anointed but not yet appointed, and Saul ran him out of town, and he was here and he was there and he was at, at, at the springs if you will and, 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 and Saul came running after him and ended up in a cave where David was and, and David while he could take his destiny in his own hands he trusted God more than he trusted his own thought process in the name of Jesus Christ and so that is the type of faith that God says will remove the stain of sin from our lives huh for how else can a Gentile prostitute end up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? How can she end up in the, in, the, in, the, in the faith hall of fame if not by faith and trusting in Jesus Christ? And the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you today, imagine, close your eyes just for a second. Close your eyes just for a moment. Imagine if you can a white t-shirt or a white dress and we have taken it outside and we have thrown it into the pit with all the pigs. And it's been there all day and the pigs have walked over, the pigs, the pigs have, have done whatever pigs do in their, in their pen, if you will, in the name of Christ Jesus. And you now at the end of the day go out and bring that, get that dress, that white dress, or get that white t-shirt, it's useless. You can open your eyes now, it's useless in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, that's who we were without faith. All of your righteousness, all of my righteousness, all of our righteousness as a, as a filthy rag without faith, without trust in Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust in him, he washes that dress, he washes that t-shirt, he washes our souls in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we go from useless to useful. Huh? We go from being thrown out to being a prized possession, and that's what happened to Ruth and to David and to all of these. He wants us to know when we, when we look at this in the name of Jesus Christ that the, that the faith is spiritual oxyclean. Hello, this is Pastor Tony Collins. I'm a senior pastor of the House of Worship in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and I want to tell you a story. Um, few years ago, about eight or nine years ago, actually, um, we helped plant a church uh, in Mexico in the Playa del Carmen area. And while we were down there, we were confronted, if you will, by the, um, the truth, the reality uh, of homeless children. Just, just a few points of fact, if you will, in regards to uh, street children, to homeless children um, in this area. First of all, uh, these children are at a higher risk of danger uh, than, than anyone else. They go through uh, severe hunger, they go through depression, and in many cases, uh, most cases I would say, that the food that they have is waste food, which is a bad source of nutrition, which leads to malnutrition, and, and sometimes it can even lead to death. These are children that are on the street that are dealing with all the issues that are on the street. They're dealing with criminals, they're dealing with violence, they're dealing with, uh, with, with drugs. And so our, our desire, our call, if you will, uh, for this community is uh, to build a home for the homeless, to build a home for, for homeless children. And, and there, is, there is no home. There is no home for homeless children um, in, in, 
in this area. So really what we need now is we need the resources. We need the funds to be able to do that. And we're estimating that um, it's going to cost about $250,000 to buy the property and to build um, this, this facility. And so if, if you won't give, who's going to give? If you won't help us, who's going to help us? Whatever it is that you give, that God tells you to give, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by his power and his authority, that a hundred times what you give will come back to you. So thank you in advance for your gift. We praise God for you, and we praise God for the vision. We praise God for the mission that he's given us to be able to touch the lives in Mexico of the lives of homeless children. Uh, bless you. Praise God for you, and we give him all the glory in advance. Amen. What an amazing message. That's a good word. That's really an encouragement no matter who you are. Uh, no matter where you find yourself, that Jesus Christ wants you to be part of his family. And there's only one way to do that, and that is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to come into your life, and to make him Lord of your life. Once you do that tonight, I want to tell you it's the best decision that you'll ever make, and you can do it uh, in as little as 15 seconds. And all you have to do is just ask him, just say it out loud, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. When you've done that, just let us know. We want to share with you and uh, give you some information that'll help you to uh, get started in your, your, your new journey, your new life with Jesus Christ. Also, I want to encourage you tonight. Um, we just uh, came back from a mission trip in, in Mexico, and it was an incredible, incredible time. Uh, we planted some uh, 12 churches down there in conjunction with uh, another church, and uh, we were really burdened while we were down there uh, to um, build a home for homeless children. And uh, if you go to our website, www.thehouseofworship.com, if you go there, you'll see uh, information about uh, our trip to um, uh, Mexico. And there's a place also for you to help us to fund um, this orphanage. Uh, God's going to bless you. God's word tells us that it's not his will that any of, of these little children should perish. And we ask, we're asking you to partner with us uh, to accomplish God's will and his plan. Let me pray for you before we leave tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we simply ask that you would touch the heart and the lives of those that are watching this program even now for your glory and for their benefit. We pray that you would encourage them, Lord God, to continue to walk in obedience to you, Father, and show them that you really do care about them, that you are, in fact, proactively working on their behalf, that you really are on their side. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We wish that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye-bye. Oh.